Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Wa salatu wa salam ala abdillahi wa rasulih Nabiyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in It's so nice to have the kids class back with kids again Alhamdulillah I don't know if you guys have been following what we were doing during the kids' class uh, in the days where you weren't able to come. Were you able to, did you keep, keep going with the class? Little bit, on and off, no problem. So we just have a little recap. What have we been talking about in the previous two lessons? Yes, Yusuf. Getting ready for the prayer. So getting yourself ready to pray and what you need to be able to pray. And all of this is before you pray, right? None of this is talking about during the prayer. It's all talking about before you actually stand up or before you actually start the prayer. So let's see. My second question is, how many of the things that you need before you pray can you remember? Okay. Uh, go on, I'll give you one more go. Um, um, intention. Wudu or purify. You have to, I mean, wudu or ghusl or both, yeah? Clean clothing. And also, what else needs to be clean? Where you're going to, your body, your clothes, and where you pray. Okay, stop, because now I have to ask someone else to complete. You got three. You want to complete? Go on. Face the qibla. Be a Muslim, be sane, okay? No mad people. Yeah? Yeah, still some. No one else has one more? Go on. The time for the prayer. And still someone didn't get something about which is very important. Proper clothing. So what have we covered already? Already we've covered purification. And we've spoken a lot about purification. Now we're going to, inshallah, talk about... We have covered intention a little bit. But we're going to talk about the remaining things that we haven't spoken about yet. So the very first... Which of those do you think comes first? Of all the things that were mentioned, which one do you think comes first? Go on, Simo, what do you think? Intention kind of comes last in a way. You're right, intention comes first in the prayer, but it probably comes last because it's the, by the time you've done everything else, right? Like, but this is about getting ready for the prayer. What's the very first thing you probably, out of those things you want to do? Yes, Anas? Wudu purification, no problem. After that, what do you think? The time for the prayer. Because if it's not time for the prayer, then why are we standing facing the Qibla and making our intention and getting ready to say Allahu Akbar and putting our clothes on to pray, and getting all ready to pray, and then suddenly we realize it's not time for the prayer. It's not time. So we're going to first of all talk about the time for the prayer. Right, I've got a question for you. The time for the prayer, how do Muslims know when it's the right time to pray. 
I think a lot of people are going to get this question wrong. That's my, that's what I think. Go on, Aisha. Okay. What do you think, Anas? Okay. Now everyone, everyone, everyone went behind. So the right answer is by looking at the sky, by looking at the sun and by looking at the sky. Okay, we're in England. Okay, not all of you are in England, but we're in England right now. And especially in where we are in the northeast of England, it's not really known for very good weather. And there's a lot of times where you can't really see the sky. What do most people use these days apart from looking at the sky? Yes, Habibi. Clocks, and they use prayer timetables. So over there on the wall, we have a prayer timetable, and it tells us what time that we have to pray each of our five daily prayers. But that's not the original way of telling. That's actually just there to help you when you live in you know, places that are very cloudy and rain a lot and stuff like that. But the real way of telling the prayer time is by looking at the sky. And that's why it's really, really important that from time to time, we actually check our prayer timetable is correct by looking at the sky. So let's start with the first prayer of the day. What's the first prayer of the day called? Fajr. Well, Fajr. Fajr. Salat al-Fajr. I'm standing and I'm looking at the sky. First of all, what does the sky look like before Fajr? Yes, Anas. No, 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 it doesn't look yellowy, orangey. Good try. Completely black. Completely dark. You can't see anything at all. Except maybe the stars. And maybe the moon. It depends on the moon rise, moon set. But it's, a, it's very, very dark before Fajr. So to see Fajr, which coast should I be standing on looking out? I want to stand on the beach and look out to see the sunrise. Which coast am I going to be standing on? Which direction am I going to be facing? Sorry, that was a bad, it was a bad question. Okay, I know. East. Because the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. So we right now in Newcastle, we're on the east coast of the, of the UK, the northeast, right? So we could actually go to Tynemouth or Whitley Bay or anywhere along that part of the coast and we stand on the beach and we look out to the sea and it's pitch black. It's completely dark. What are we looking for to know that Fajr started? I don't have my clock. I don't have a prayer timetable. I don't have any idea of the time. I'm camping on the beach. There's me with my preferred drink of nice hot chocolate with marshmallows in it. Yeah, before we, before, we haven't started fasting yet. It's not Fajr, okay? And then we... Looking out to the sea. What am I looking for? Yes, Anas. Sunlight. Okay, that's a good start. I'm looking for sunlight. What kind of sunlight am I looking for? Yes, Aisha. 
I'm looking for the sunlight that spreads along the horizon. Actually, the first thing you're going to see, and I would definitely recommend parents, 100% recommend, if you're in a place where you can take your children to see this, is very, very good. The first thing you're going to see, first of all, you do know that the sun doesn't rise exactly in the east, right? It changes depending on the season. So you do have to actually find out whereabouts the sun is going to be because just standing looking exactly east, you might not see it. But even if you were to type into Google um, the uh, sunrise direction or something like that for the day, it'll tell you roughly where it's going to be. So you're standing and you're looking where the sun's going to be. The first thing you're going to see is you're going to see some light go upwards like, like kind of like a, a column right, of light, you know, like a pillar of light that just goes up in the sky and then it goes down and everything becomes black again. Is that Fajr? That's Fajr, but it's not the Fajr we want. It's called Al-Fajr Al-Kathib, the false Fajr, not the real one. How do you know the false one? Two things. The light is going to come upwards, not outwards. And it's going to get dark again after the light came. So you're standing watching, ready to give the adhan on the beach. And you see the light come upwards and then it goes dark again. No, it's not time. Then you see the light come and it starts to spread and it starts to get brighter and brighter. This light that spreads long ways along the horizon, it spreads outwards along the horizon and it, it doesn't go dark again. This is Al-Fajr al-Sadiq, the true Fajr. This is Fajr time. And recently, we went out to look for this in Newcastle. And it was pretty close to the prayer time. It wasn't exactly on the prayer time. But we saw it a, just a little bit over five minutes after the start of the prayer time. We saw the light spread out wide along the horizon. And it kept on getting brighter and brighter and brighter. As soon as you see that light, and as soon as it starts to go wider, that's your Fajr time. That's when you know that the Fajr time has started. When does the Fajr time end? Describe to me in the terms of the sun. Don't say to me it ends at 8.13. Don't say to me that it ends at 8.13. Bright. Okay, that's a very good, that's a good description. Not quite there, but it's, very, it's actually true. What you said is true. When the sky is completely bright, but there's something a bit more precise than that. No, you nearly got, you got the next time right That's the time when you start praying No, it's not that It When the sun rises So as soon as you see the edge of the sun Come over and rise up It doesn't have to rise up the whole amount Just the edge, just the top of the sun Come over the horizon, over the land That's it, Fajr time is finished If Fajr time is finished and you haven't prayed Fajr What should you do? Pray Fajr, pray Fajr no matter what time it is, yeah? But if you, you want to be praying Fajr before that time. Now that time is a time where you're not allowed to pray. Do you know that? After Fajr, you're not allowed. You're not allowed to pray. Unless you have a, a real reason for praying and you've got a real reason for praying. So very good, you asked me a question, what was your question? Why? 
Answer number one, because the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, but, I'm, that's not, but I know that. And I know that you know that. But the, the, some of the scholars, they mention why is because this is a time where the pagans used to pray to their gods. You know, the people who worship the sun. Even now when you see, even if you go to, for example, uh, India, places like that, you can see people praying to the sun at that time. That's one of the reasons they give. When can you start praying again like normal? Like your voluntary prayers? This is the one that we got before. When the sun rises to the height of a spear. What does that mean? If you put a spear, you, you'll know what a spear is, right? Yeah? A spear, a spear is like about as tall as, tall, kind of tall as a person, isn't it? A little bit taller? A bit taller than the person? Anyway, a spear, taller than me. When you see the sun has risen in the sky to the height of a spear, then you can start praying again. You can pray your voluntary prayers and your sunnah type of prayers. You can pray those after that. Okay, what's the second prayer? I'm not talking about voluntary prayers. I'm talking about obligatory prayers. What's the second fard prayer of the day? No answers from you all. Fajr is the first one. What's the second one? Okay, here I am, it's the middle of the day, it's okay, the middle of the day, England is not very hot. And I'm standing outside, and I'm looking up at the sky, what am I looking for? Yes, Rahma. The time for Dhuhr, I know I'm looking for the time for Dhuhr, but what is, what am I looking for? Yes. So the, sky, the sun to be right in the middle of the sky. But how do you judge the sun's in the middle of the sky? Do I like take a ruler and I measure how much space on that side and how much space on that side? How do I, what's an easy way of measuring? Yes, Yusuf. Or how, what shall I look for? You really want me to stand there with my hand up like that and go... Shadows, alhamdulillah. So shadows in the morning get shorter and shorter and shorter as the sun gets to the middle of the sky. When the sun's in the middle of the sky, the shadow is as short as it can be. Then it starts to get longer on the other side. So the sun rises in the east, that means in the morning you have a long shadow to the west. Okay, the west is that way. Right, you have a, the sun rises in the east and you have a long shadow on the other side. As the sun gets higher, this shadow gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Okay? When the sun's right above, there's almost no shadow. It's not there's no shadow, but there's almost no shadow. And then the shadow starts to move the other way. As soon as the shadow starts to go the other way, that's the time for Dhuhr. That's the time for Dhuhr. Do you guys all understand that? Yeah? So you're looking at the shadow get smaller, 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 smaller. Like maybe you have like a, a stick in the ground or a tree or a lamppost. It's getting smaller, smaller, smaller. Okay. Now it started to go the other way and get longer again. Now it's Dhuhr time. So just after the middle of the day. Just after the middle of the day. It's Dhuhr time. Okay. When does Dhuhr time finish? 
1.25 p.m. <laughs> yes, Anas. Asr. Asr. Asr time. Okay, Asr time. How do we know what Asr time is? Again, I'm outside. It's Asr, it's middle of the day. Now the shadow's gone that way. And the afternoon is going on. How do I know that it's Asr time? Go on, Tina. Nearly, no, that's the next one. I'm going to ask you that for Maghrib, okay? Asr is before sunset. When the shadow is the same height as the object. For example, me, for example. I am, I don't know in centimeters, about six, just a bit over six feet tall. When my shadow is six feet and a bit in length, that's the time for Asr. That's the time for Asr. So if you're looking at, let's say, for example, a, you're looking for, you're looking at uh, what could be a simple example. You're looking at like a, a little, like say a lamppost, for example. When the shadow is the same length as the lamppost, because it gets longer and longer and longer and longer, when it becomes the same length as the height, the shadow is the same as the height, that's the time for Asr. That's the time for Asr. Do you all understand that? Okay, when does Asr finish? Yes, Anas. That's true. It can, you can pray all the way up to Maghrib, but that's not the, there's a time that it finishes. Even though you can pray up to Maghrib, but there's a proper time that it finishes. Mm, it's not very accurate just before Maghrib. I need something more accurate. It finishes when the sun becomes golden in color. Have you heard of something? Oh, you won't have heard, but anyway, there's something called golden hour where people like to take pictures. Like it, there's a time in the, at the end of the day where the sun becomes a very, very golden color. Instead of being white and hot, it becomes a golden color and everything outside takes on this kind of golden color. That is the end of Asr. But you can pray Asr, as Anas correctly said, all the way up to Maghrib if you didn't have a choice or you got stuck somewhere. You can still pray up to Maghrib, but the proper time that Asr ends is when the sun becomes golden. When the sun becomes golden in color. Okay. Now, which one you were mentioning? What was the Salah you were mentioning? What's the fourth one? Maghrib. And when is that? When the sun sets. So what does it mean the sun sets? The sun's going down, down. Now half of it is gone. Three quarters of it is gone. When the last little part of the sun has disappeared, what colors the sky? Mm. Now we're going to see if you're observant. The sun has just set, just a second ago. What color is the sky? Okay, good. At least you didn't say dark. It's not dark. 
it's it's kind of an orangey reddy color, but it's not the sky is not dark. It's not dark at Maghrib time. I mean, okay, in the winter in the UK, it's dark even at Asa time, but it's not really dark at Maghrib. It's not properly dark at Maghrib time. The sun only just set, so there's still light. There's still light in the sky. The sky hasn't gone dark. So you shouldn't be praying Maghrib when it's dark outside. Like if you look outside now, it's dark outside, right? Where we are, it's dark outside. Look outside, it's dark. That's not Maghrib time. Maghrib time, it isn't completely dark outside. When does Maghrib end? At Isha time. And how do I know Isha time? Okay, so what disappears from the sky then? If it's dark, what disappears from the sky? What did you say the sky was at Maghrib? You said it was ready, orange. What disappears then from the sky? The red color from the sky. When the red color, when you know when the sun set, you still see a little bit of red color where the sun just set. In the sky, you can see a little bit of red color. And when the sun is set, that red color starts to disappear. And when the red color has gone from the sky completely, it's Isha time. Okay, now here's the most difficult question of all. When does Isha end? Apart from bedtime. Okay, that's good. You can, on, you can give me that one. Midnight. All right, that's a good idea. You're right in a way and wrong in a way. No, not when the moon comes out. Good try though. The moon can come out in the day sometimes. Yeah, if the moonrise sometimes can come out in the day. No, that's when Isha starts, when it just gets dark. When does it end? No, 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 not when you can see the stars. No, you were right when you said midnight. One half of the night has passed. But how do we measure half of the night? And no, we don't measure it when the clock goes 12 o'clock. Beep, beep. How do we measure half of the night? When does the night really start? When did, the, when did, when did it start to get dark? Maghrib time. And when does the night end? Fajr time. So we go halfway between Maghrib and Fajr. That's midnight Islamically. It's not 12 o'clock at night. It's halfway between Maghrib and Fajr. So let's just have a look at the time now. Let's give, a, give you guys a little bit of a math question. Maghrib here, let's just make it simple. It's half past three. And Fajr, let's keep it simple, six o'clock. Half past three for Maghrib and six o'clock. I make it easy. I make it even easier for you. Quarter to four and quarter past six. There you go. That's even easier. Quarter to four. That's and quarter past six. Okay, so the quarter of an hour they meet in the middle. Okay, so then you've got what from four o'clock to six o'clock. Four o'clock to six o'clock. So from four o'clock to twelve o'clock is how many hours? 
8. Yes. I think we need to do our number bonds again. 10. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, all right. Okay. 8. And then how many hours? 6. Makes 14. Halfway is 7. So what time does that make? 11 o'clock, right? Yes, it does. Makes it, at the moment in the UK, makes it, if I'm not mistaken, makes it 11 o'clock at night. It's halfway. Can you pray Isha after that? Yeah, the same like Asr, the same like the other prayers. If you do run out of time, you can pray it all the way into Fajr. And even if you forgot about it, you can pray it as soon as you remember. But if you do ever forget about a prayer and you have to pray it again, you have to pray the first prayer first and the second prayer second. Don't go pray in the second prayer and then don't do it backwards. Like for example, if I got to Maghrib and I forgot about Asr, first pray Asr and then pray Maghrib. Don't pray Asr, Maghrib and then pray Asr. Do you get what I mean? Okay, that's good. <laughs> I almost lost myself there for a while. Okay, those are the times for the prayer. We've got prayer timetables, so that makes it easy for you. You can check on phones, you can check on the internet. It's so easy to check the prayer times now, and they tell you what time that you need to pray. And those times are rough. They're not perfect, but they're, they're a rough guide to the time for the prayer. And we try to check it from time to time, make sure that the times are roughly correct. Okay, because there are different ways of working out those times, and sometimes... There's one way that's better than another way depending on where you live. That's why if you have it on your phone, the prayer times, you have to choose how to work out the time, which way you want to use, which method. And if you choose the wrong one, it gives you the wrong prayer time for where you are. That makes sense. Okay, we found the time for the prayer. We've got our wudu. What's the next thing we clean ourselves? Because obviously to get wudu, we had to be cleaning ourselves. And clean in our clothes. What's the next thing in order, do you think, out of those conditions? What do you think, Anas? I think intention probably comes... In a way, yeah, you're, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Intention is something you need from the beginning. Because even to make wudu, you needed intention. But we're going to leave intention just until before we pray. Yes, I know before that you are meant to be a Muslim. I'm definitely sure that you have to be a Muslim. But that's, that's, that's one of the conditions. He's right. That is one of the conditions. Yes. Yeah, I think that's the next one to talk about. Your prayer area has to be clean. Okay. So here I am out in a farmer's field. Okay. I'm out in a farmer's field. And it's very muddy. And there are animals in the field as well. And there's a lot of, you know, the animals leave animal droppings and things like that. Can I pray there? Who thinks yes? Who thinks no? Why do you think no? Or why do you think yes? Why do you think no? 
So you're worried about the animals or you're worried about the mud on the field? So the mud on the field is clean. We all agreed that mud is Islamically is clean. Okay? What's the evidence that mud is clean? We gave it, yes, last week. You use it to make tayammum. Very good. You use it for tayammum. And if you use it for tayammum, it must be, if you use it to clean yourself instead of wudu, then it must be clean. Okay, that's fine. Now, I'm not saying you should go pray in the mud. I'm not saying you should go pray in the mud. But if you did pray in the mud, that's clean. That's not somewhere. And there's an evidence the Prophet ﷺ, he said, جُعِلَتْ لِيَ الْأَرْضِ مَسْجِدًا وَطَهُورًا The earth has been made for me as a place to pray and a place to purify myself. Come in, come in. Okay. So what your concern was, you guys at the back, your concern was the animals, that the animals might have left their droppings or their waste on the floor. Okay, so we've now, got a, we've now understood a principle that animals that are halal to eat, their droppings are not unclean. I don't know if I have to make that another word, make that another way, say that another way. Animals that are halal to eat. What animals are halal to eat? I'm, not, I'm just talking about the animal in general, the kind of animal. What kinds of animals are halal to eat? Yeah, I want the animals' names. Yeah, sheep, okay. Then? Cows, goats, camels. Yeah, horses, horses are actually horses, yes, even though we don't eat them. But they are, the, 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 the meat is not haram. So generally we say sheep and the kinds of things like sheep, like goats, and Cows and kinds of things like cows, like cows and, you know, various other things like, yeah, buffalo and whatever. And camels, okay? Those animals, they're, when they go in a field or whatever, you don't need to worry about it being clean. You don't have to worry about it being clean because they're animals that you can eat. But where are you not allowed to pray? This is a tough question. Which animal's place are you not allowed to pray in out of the ones we've mentioned? So we said they're clean. They're all clean. They're all clean. The sheep, the goats, the cows, the camels, it's clean. Even the droppings, if worst case scenario, I mean, you don't want to pray there, but if you did, it's clean. It's clean. But the question is, which one of them did the Prophet stop you from praying in? Camel pens. You're not allowed to pray in a camel pen. Not because it's unclean. It's nothing to do with cleanliness or uncleanliness. But that's something where the Prophet prevented people from praying. Okay. So you have to make sure your prayer place is clean. Do you have to have a prayer mat? Or a carpet? We answered this question already. Yes, no. It's okay to have a prayer mat. If you want to have a prayer mat, have a prayer mat. No problem. Carpet is fine. 
But this idea that you have to have a prayer mat, no, that's not from Islam. That you have to have a prayer mat and people put out their prayer mat and I can't pray here because people walked on it. La. Sorry. You can pray there as much as you want. People walked on it or they didn't walk on it. And that beca that's because of a very important reason. To say something is unclean, what do you have to have? To say something's unclean, what do you have to have? If you girls want to come a little bit more in the middle, then I don't have to, you know, strain my neck. Yeah. Knowledge, okay. Proof. You have to have proof. Someone says, look, but there's people who have walked on this place here. There's people who have been on it with their shoes. Okay, and? There's no reason why that should be unclean. But they might have walked somewhere unclean and they might have walked on it and they might have made a mark on it and it might be like that. There's no might be, maybe, could be, should be, would be. Yeah, there's none of this stuff. Either you've got a proof that it's unclean or either you can pray there. That's how it is. That's how it is. Either you have a proof or either you can pray. Now, I'm not saying you go and decide to pray on a dirty street corner. No, you want to pray in a place which is as clean as possible. But at the end of the day, if you don't find anywhere else to pray except the side of the road, Bismillah, there you go. All right. What's the next thing we're talking about? I think we've got to talk about clothing. Yeah, we've got to talk about clothing. So... This is where we talk about something really important and I want you to give me as much attention as you can, yeah? We're going to talk about something in Islam which is called the awrah. And the awrah is basically the parts of your body that you have to keep covered, okay? Now, obviously, when you're walking about as an ordinary in, in your life every day, there are obviously parts of your body that you have to keep covered in Islam, right? And that's very important because this religion is a religion about what does Islam give you? It gives you honor, right? It gives you respect. Makes you a, a person who is clean and a person who's good. So in Islam, there are parts of our body we have to cover all the time. And then there are parts of our body we have to cover in the prayer, especially in the prayer. Okay. So for a boy, first of all, what other part, what does that where from where to where does the boy have to keep covered all the time inside of the prayer and outside of the prayer from which place to which place not from the ankle no you can you never wore three quarter length trousers okay from your knee okay up until where no up until your belly button so from your belly button to your knee you, a boy has to keep that covered all the time. And when we say covered, do we just mean covered? No. It has to be with something loose that doesn't show anything that is underneath. So for a boy, you have to be covered from your belly button to your knee all the time. But in the prayer, there's even more that you have to be covered. What do you have to be covered in your prayer? I want the boys to answer. I know two of the girls got the hands up. Okay, so still your knee. The knee is still the bottom part. What's the upper part? You said chest. Okay, nearly. Go a little bit higher. 
You don't have to cover your head. No, no, here, here. Shoulder. Shoulder, good. From your shoulder to your knee. At least one shoulder to the knee has to be covered. Okay? That's for the boy in the prayer. So, so, for a boy in the prayer, are you allowed to pray only wearing, for example, your shorts, three-quarter length shorts? No. Because you wouldn't be covered, your shoulder wouldn't be covered. You might be able to go swimming like that because you're still covered from your belly button to your knee, right? You're still covered from your belly button to your knee. But you wouldn't be able to cover your shoulders. You'd have to put, you'd have to put something like a t-shirt or something to cover, your, to cover your shoulder. At least one shoulder. Okay. What did we... Why is that okay? Where do people usually go wrong? I mean, most people, Akid, people cover from the belly button to the knee. Where do most people often go wrong? Tell me what do you think is the part of the body for the boys that most of the time gets shown in the prayer that shouldn't be shown in the prayer. And I'm surprised if you get it right. Your back. The, the lower part of your back. And this is the biggest problem the boys have when they're praying. Because they wear a short t-shirt and what happens when they bend like that? The t-shirt comes up and their back shows. I'm not even talking about the ones who don't have their trousers properly. That's different. I'm talking about the ones who their back shows. And this is a very big problem in the prayer. Because we said for the boy in the prayer, he has to cover from the shoulder to the knee. So that includes your back. So what should you do then? What do you have to be careful that you do? What do you think, Mu'ad? So yeah, so you can wear like a long, wear something long to cover it, but it doesn't have to be any style. Like it doesn't have to be a thob, or it doesn't have to be a uh, like uh, like the Arab style of clothing. Like for example, the Moroccan style of clothing or Sudanese style of clothing or Emirati style or Saudi style it doesn't have to be anything like that but it has to cover you loosely yeah so that as well when you make ruku and you make sujood in your prayer it doesn't be it's not so tight that it shows the body that it's supposed to be covering right so you shouldn't be praying wearing tight trousers or praying wearing a very, very tight t-shirt that it comes up your back. Instead, if you're going to wear a t-shirt, wear one that is loose. Or tie something else around your waist if you have to. If you don't have anything, at least take your jacket or your jumper and tie it around your waist so that when you're making the ruku, it doesn't, it doesn't show. Okay. For the girls, it's a bit more complicated. Because for the girls... I'm going to explain the girls because it's a little bit more complicated. Because for the girls, there are three types of aura, not just two. For the boys, there was just in the prayer and out of the prayer, right? For the boys, we said in the prayer and out of the prayer. But for the girls, there are some different situations. So there is in the prayer, that's fine. Out of the prayer, 
there is the situation where the girl, she is outside and there are people there who could see her who are not from her close relatives. Yeah, like not her brother, not her dad, not her husband, if she has a husband. Yeah, so there are people who are, like for example, where we're sitting now, for the girls who are sitting now, the girls are wearing hijab, right? Because there are boys here who are not from your close relatives, right? Does that make sense? And then there are the times when the girl is by herself and she's, let's say, for example, with her brother or she's with her mom or she's with her sister or she's with another lady and there's no other men can see her. So there's different situations for the girl, right? So let's start with the simple one. The girl, she is in the prayer. Let's start with in the prayer. That's the simple one, right? What does a girl have to wear to pray? What does she have to cover to pray? We have to ask the girls, okay? Go on, Rabia. From her head to her toes... Or from her head to her feet, with what exception? What can she show? Her face and her hands. The hands the scholars differed about, but inshallah, the correct opinion is she can show her hands. Her face and her hands. So she has to cover everything except for her face and her hands. So when she's doing this, again, it has to be loose so that it doesn't show what it's trying to cover, right? So there's no good praying in uh, trousers or something like that that, are, that show the shape of the legs or something like that because you have to have that whole part covered, right? So you have to be covered from the top of your head all the way down to the bottom of your feet, including your feet. The feet the scholars differed about as well, but I believe the correct opinion of the feet have to be covered. All the way down to the bottom of the feet, except for the face and the hands. Okay, is there any difference then for what a girl has to wear in front of other men? I'm not talking about rel close relatives. Okay, who thinks there's a difference or who thinks exactly the same as the Salah? Well, if you think there's a difference, raise your hand. If you think it's exactly the same as the prayer, raise your hand. Okay. Both of you could be right. None of you are wrong. What do you think the difference is? Covering the face and hands. So covering the face and hands is not something that everybody, that everybody does. But some of the scholars, they said that the face and hands have to be covered as well. Obviously, we're talking about the older the older ladies now, that the face and hands have to be covered as well as... So let me make it more clear. Some ladies don't cover their face and hands. But the ones who cover their face, when they pray, what do they do? They uncover their face to pray. Yeah? So that's the key point here. It's not whether she covers her face and hands or not, because that's 
some people do and some people don't I believe it's the correct thing to do I believe that a lady she has to cover her face and hands outside but when she prays she ta- she uncovers her she uncovers her face what about when she's with other girls or she's with the close male relatives like her brother and her dad and her mom's brother and her dad's brother And if she has children, her sons, or her sister's sons, or her brother's sons, what does she have to cover or not cover in front of them? Okay, yes, Rian, what do you think? Okay, you mean she doesn't have to cover her hair, right? Yeah, that's right, she doesn't have to cover her hair. But can we be like really exact? What does she have to cover or doesn't she have to cover? Okay, so she has to cover herself to a reasonable standard. I like that. That's a good, that's a good answer. What would be a reasonable standard? Like what would be, how would you know? What the scholars sometimes say is where you would normally wear jewelry. So for example, a lady would normally wear jewelry on her, her neck. So she can show her neck. She would normally wear jewelry on her wrists. So she can show her wrists and her the, her, the, you know, the front part of her arms She might wear jewellery on her ankles She can show the bottom of her ankles and her feet yeah? And she can show her hair This is in front of other ladies But she can't do whatever she wants she has, to, she has to be covered reasonably She has to be covered reasonably And so she can show her neck She can show her hair She can show her arms she can show the legs below the, below the knee. Yeah? What must she never, ever, ever uncover? Then we said from, this is from the navel to the knee or from the chest to the knee. From the chest to the knee, that must never be, that must never be uncovered. Okay? Does that make sense? So we've learned what you have to wear for your prayers. Okay? So, again, what would you say for the girls is the, where are some of the problems for the girls when they pray? What do you think? Hair. Hair, definitely. What happens? The hair comes, the hijab falls off. But what must you be also careful of when you pray that you don't do too much? Too much of? <laughs> But what might you not do too much of? Too much fiddling, yeah? Like too much of like, you know, fixing everything during your prayer and moving around too much. But yes, you must make sure your hair is properly, is properly covered. What else do you think? Do you think maybe for the girls also, like not having loose clothes? Because sometimes if the girls are maybe just in the house and they're with their brothers and their moms and dads, they're just wearing their regular clothes and they might not be very loose clothes. So what might be a good idea? What do you sometimes tell the girls to keep in the house? Praying clothes, yeah? So like something which is like a, a loose abaya like that. And sometimes you get them with the hijab as well. So you just kind of just put them on and wrap the hijab around and then you can pray like that. Yeah, like praying clothes. They're nice to have. Wallah, we recommend if, especially if for the, the younger girls where maybe they're not in the abaya all the time. So yeah, for sure, if you know, keep yourself a set of praying clothes that you have 
So when the time for prayer comes, you can put something loose on. And for the boys, I would recommend the same, that you have some clothes to pray in. Like, for example, these baggy uh, clothes like the, the thawb or the kandura, like we call it in Dubai. This kind of like baggy clothing. Yeah, definitely. Like if you usually wear trousers or usually wear, you know, T-shirts or jumpers or something like that, then for sure, you know, keep something that you can pray in so you don't have that problem of being, not being covered properly in your prayer. Did anyone have any questions about being covered properly in the prayer? No, men must have their thobe above their ankles. Men must always, even the boys, you must never ever have your trousers or your clothing dropping below your ankles. The only thing that should be on your ankles is your socks and your shoes. There shouldn't be anything for the boys. For the girls, how far are you allowed to go below your ankles? Up to the length of an arm, forearm, first part of your arm, the front of your arm. Yeah, no further than that. So you know, sometimes the girls have long dresses that, like a trail. Yeah, you're not. You're only allowed to have just that much. Okay. So the boys, you're not allowed to have anything below your ankles. So what all the other problems the boys have is short shorts. This is another problem. We do not want to see boys in short shorts ever. We never, ever, ever want to see boys in short shorts. And we have sometimes boys come to the masjid in short shorts. And for me, short shorts is anything that when you bend your leg, your knee comes uncovered. Those are short shorts to me. I'm not talking about short, short shorts like these miskeen people they wear. I'm talking about shorts that when you bend your knees and when you make sujood, your knees become uncovered. You shouldn't be praying in those shorts and you shouldn't be wearing them really. You need to have shorts that go way past your knees. Go plenty past your knees. Okay? Does that make sense for the boys? Okay. We've got one more topic I think to talk about or two and we're going to try and finish it today so just five, ten more minutes. Facing the Qibla. What does it mean to face the Qibla? Yes, Mu'ad? It's where you pray to Makkah. To Makkah, not Jerusalem. Definitely Makkah. Akid. Yeah, that's right, Makkah. The Muslims used to face Bayt al Maqdis, Jerusalem. Then Allah Azza revealed, Qad nara tardaha. We will turn you to a qibla that will make you happy. And make your face point towards the Kaaba, the Kaaba in Makkah. Okay. If I'm in front of the Kaaba, that's very easy. How do I point my face to the Kaaba? If I'm in front of the Kaaba? No. You thought too complicated. Yes. Yeah. You can see the Kaaba and you can pray any direction where the Kaaba is in front of you. That's why in Makkah, which do, what's, what shape do the people make when they pray? When you look at the prayer from the top, like on a drone, and you look down at the people praying, what shape did they make? Circle. Yes, Rian? Circle. Because they're all facing the Kaaba. So they make a circle around the Kaaba like that. That's fine if you can see the Kaaba. Where can't you pray in the Kaaba? Can you pray inside the Kaaba? 
Yes, you can. The Kaaba is a masjid. You can, if, you, if someone is nice enough to let you go inside, you can go inside and you can pray inside the Kaaba. No problem. Even, you know, that little wall with the little half circle, that's also inside the Kaaba if you go inside. You can also go inside the Kaaba there. On top of the Kaaba, you can't pray. You can't stand on top. So nobody's allowed to give someone a lift up here yeah, and pray on top of the Kaaba. No, you have to. But you can pray anywhere else facing the Kaaba. Okay, that's fine if I'm in Mecca. But as soon as I go a bit far away, how would I know how to face the Qibla? Use your iPhone. What if I only have Android that day? <laughs> okay. What do I do on my iPhone? What, what app do I use then? Not the Qibla app, the compass, yeah? So use a compass. So in this case, are we, do we have to face exactly the Kaaba like that? We have to do our best, yeah? But you're not going to face the exact Kaaba like that. There's no way that you are going to face in most situations that you're going to be able to face the Kaaba because if you even move like a tiny, tiny bit one way or the other, you're going to miss it because it's very, very far away. But you have to face the direction of the Kaaba as best as you can the best way that you can okay now this is where i'm going to talk about i'm going to talk about the uk specifically the uk okay what direction on the compass compass has got 360 degrees what direction in the uk don't follow this if you're not in the uk if you're in the uk what direction on the compass is makkah tell me in degrees so it's 360 degrees. So you've got what, but any number between 1 and 360 you've got to choose from. What number? Yes, Mu'adhuddin. No. 1 is, the, is north. 1 will get you somewhere cold. Not 180. That's due south. That is going to get you somewhere else. It's east, okay, very good. It is east. East is 90 degrees, but what number is it? What, what number is it? 100 and? 180. Not 180, you're very close. 18. Yeah, 118 or 120. One, between 118 and 120. So if you have a compass, what are you looking for? Where is 118 or 120 on the compass? Where is 120 on a compass? North is zero, south is 180, east is 90, west is 270. So where is it? It's between south and east, but closer to east, right? Between south and east, but slightly closer towards east. So if you know where's north, how do you find the Qibla? Alright, now I've got a test for you guys I've got a test for you guys But I can't, I'm not going to turn the camera Because we don't take pictures of the kids in the class And, and we don't generally put the, the kids' pictures up But I'm going to ask the kids to do something now This is obviously the direction of Makkah Right behind me, yeah? Because I'm sitting opposite to the Qibla And you guys are facing the Qibla Stand up and face north 
<laughs> they all face it somewhere different. <laughs> you think you got it, Aisha? Okay, Anna says this way. Let's, let's test it out. Let me test it out. For, I'm going to test out Anna's theory. One second. One second. I think you guys can see me from here. So where were you saying? This way. So if this is north, this is east, and this is the Qibla. So no, you're out. Okay. We're doing Qibla, qibla finding classes. Who else thinks they know? Aisha, you think you have it? Okay, which way? You think this way? Okay, watch me. East, Qibla. Wrong. Rayan, go on. No, that's the Qibla. That's the, that's not north. Okay, work backwards. Work, watch me. Work backwards. Okay, Yusuf says his. No, you're nowhere near. Look, watch, 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 watch. This is the Qibla, okay? All right. To go back to east, I'm going to go here. Okay, so this is east. Okay, then a quarter turn. This way. North, east, Qibla. It's this way. See if I'm right. Someone put the compass on. Who's got a phone? I've got one. Let me see. North is, see, look at that. On the dot. Perfect. That way. So if you know where north is, this is what I want to show you. Learn this for where you are. If you know where north is, how do you find the Qibla? Right. You stand to face north. This is, for, this is for UK. Please don't copy me if you're in Dubai, okay? This is north, okay? What do you do? Turn a quarter turn. When you turn a quarter turn clockwise, which way will you be facing? East, right? So now I'm facing east. Just turn a little bit more. And that's it. You got the Qibla. So a quarter turn from north, a quarter turn clockwise, and a little bit more. And that's the Qibla for you. Because a lot of times you will not know, people won't know the Qibla, but a lot of people do know where north is. Like even if you stop and ask someone, do you know which way is north? A lot of times people will know which way is north. Maybe they don't know the Qibla. What other way could you use? Okay, if compass, phone, iPhone, Android, tablet, computer, anything like that. I want something different. How can you use your eyesight? What are you going to look for? The little sign in the sky that says Makkah this way? Look at the clouds. All the clouds are over Makkah. What do you think, Rayhana? Very good. You can do it from the stars, 100%. I don't know how to do it from the stars, but you can definitely find north from the stars. And honestly, it's, it's winter these days, dark nights. If you're able, one of you guys research for me, okay? Go do some homework. Find out for me, how do you find north from the star? It's a north star. There's a north star. But it's, it's a little bit, how do you actually find it in the sky? Once you know north, then for UK, what do you do? A quarter turn clockwise and a little bit more. And that's the Qibla. Okay? Very good. So that's using the stars. What else could you use? The sun. The sun's not very reliable, but roughly, the sun rises in the east and sets in the 
west. So it's not perfect. It's not going to give you, because we said the sun doesn't go exactly from the east to the west. It's not like dead on east to dead on west. It changes a little bit. But roughly, the sun will give you a good idea. So if it's the afternoon, this is a big test now. I'm, I'm testing you guys. It's the afternoon. Okay? It's the afternoon. Which way are the shadows pointing? It's late afternoon. Which way are the shadows pointing? It depends on where you're standing. It depends on whether you have your eyes open or closed. The shadows, the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. So the shadows are pointing east. East. In the late afternoon, the shadows are pointing east. So more or less, the shadows are roughly pointing towards the Qibla, for Newcastle anyway. Not far from it. In the, in the afternoon. In the morning, the shadows are pointing the other way. So the opposite direction to the shadows. So you could use that. You could also use a map. Yeah, if you have a map. In fact, I much prefer to find the Qibla from a map. Because the map is dead accurate. It shows you, the, you show, the map shows you where north is. And it shows you the road that you're on right now. And you can see, oh, this road outside my house, this road goes exactly north. So the Qibla is like that. But none of those are the most accurate way. Not the compass. Not the map. Not the internet. Not the stars. Not asking someone who's lived there for long long time not the masjid even although using a masjid is very true that's another way of finding the qibla if you if you know where the masjid is and you know where your house is find the qibla like that there's a way that is absolutely 100% perfect to find the qibla but there's a problem it only happens twice a year Yes, my kids, you have done it before. Come on. Yes, my kids, come on. Let's remember. Who knows? Go on, Mu'adh, what do you think? No, no, no sticks. No sticks in the middle. Okay. Ram, what do you think? 
Not the moon, no. Okay. There are two dates in a year. Or actually, if you want to be really specific about it, there are actually really four dates in a year, but two dates in a year in which the sun is directly on top of the Kaaba. And it directly above the Kaaba. And these are down to the exact minute. May the 28th at 18 minutes past 9 universal time any GMT and July the 15th at 9:27 universal time and it's, in that time it's british summer time so it's minus an hour so at that exact time the sun is exactly above the Kaaba. So how would you find the Qibla at that exact moment? Face the sun. If you face the sun at that exact minute, you're facing exactly the direction of Makkah. Or use the shadow again, because the shadow is going to point, point you exactly the right direction. And that is the most authentic way of finding the Qibla without using lasers and satellites and all sort of stuff the, more, the easiest way to find the Qibla is that there are two more dates but these dates are the sun is exactly opposite to Makkah so you have to face away from the sun November the 28th at 9 minutes past 9 at night and January the 13th at 29 minutes past 9 at night and that is the that's GMT time so obviously those times are good for the times when any half the world doesn't, it's daytime and the other half it's nighttime, right? So there's some places where the, the times in May and July don't work. The times in May and July, they don't work. Because it's too, at that time, it's dark where you are. So you can use the ones in November and January. Does that make sense or not at all? Does everyone understand that, how it works? Those two times, the sun is exactly on top of the Kaaba in Makkah. Exactly. So at that exact time, you can face the sun and you will be facing the Kaaba perfectly. And it's a good time, it's good to check the direction of the Qibla that you're praying at home. You set an alarm. But you can also, if, if that time is no good for you because it's night time where you are, then you have to use the other times, which is in November and January. But for those you have to face away from, you have to face the opposite direction to the sun. You face the sun and turn exactly around the other way. Did I just confuse everybody or did that make sense? It makes sense? We have to wait quite a while now. We have to wait until May. But if, we try and rem if you try and remind me, inshallah, if Allah is which makes it easy for us, in May we will try to get the kids together to check the Qibla direction. No, January and November is night time in the UK. You can't, you can't see it. 
May and July in the UK, you can see it. But some countries where at, when the UK is daytime, it's nighttime there, they can see it in November and January. Last thing we have to talk about is what? What's the last thing left? Nia. And we've spoken about Nia in the first class, but I just want to just emphasize it and just check with you guys you've understood it. So Nia is not something you say out loud. It's not something you say in your heart. What is it? You know what you're doing. So if I said to you, Yusuf, what are you going to do right now? You say, I'm going to pray Dhuhr prayer. That's your Nia. You know what you're doing. You're not just standing there. Someone says, wow, you prayed Dhuhr. You say, well, Dhuhr? I didn't know I was praying Dhuhr. Was it Dhuhr? Was Dhuhr? Really? Some of you, I don't know, standing up to pray all kinds of things at the wrong times. And I think sometimes you just get, like sometimes someone prayed and then they said, wow, it's late. I didn't realize Isha already. Isha, it's Fajr. What do you mean Isha? It's Fajr. So Nia is you have to understand what you're doing. Does that make sense? Yeah, Zuhra makes sense to you? Yeah? Okay. What have we got left? Have we covered all the points? Remind me, you have to be a Muslim. You have to be sane. You have to be old enough to know right from wrong. You have to have your intention. Face the Qibla. Cover yourself with proper clothing. Your prayer place, your clothes and your body have to be clean. Purification. The time for the prayer. And I said, Fistik that's we're done. All of those things happen before you actually pray. So, what do you think we're going to do next week? What do you think, Rabia? After you pray. So, we're going to first of all do before you pray, and then we're going to say, Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam tabarakti adal jalali wal ikram, subhanallah. Or how to pray. What do you think? Which one? What do you think? How to pray, right? That's just, should that come next? How to pray? Yeah? How to pray. That's what we're going to do next. The prayer itself. And we're going to start by just talking about the actions in the prayer. Then, after that, we're going to talk about how many prayer, which prayers have got which number of raka'at in them and things like that. And how to pray when you come late and how to pray in jama'ah and how to pray as a group, all these things. But to start with, we're just going to talk about the actions of the prayer. What do you actually do in your prayer? We're going to go into as much detail as we possibly can. Anyone got any questions? Ewa? At night time, how do you know the stars? Yeah, you use the stars. Yeah, you can use the stars. Yeah, so that, that's a very good question. What do you do if you can't find out the Qibla at all? No stars, no sun, no moon, no iPhone, no Android, no internet connection. Nobody is there. What do you do? Pray later, huh? No. What do you do? No sun. No moon. It's raining. It's cloudy. It's pouring down. You can't see even two feet in front of you. You don't know where you are. 
No compass. That's a good, wallah, it's actually a good, good guess, but I'm saying there's nothing, and you have nothing, there is no shadow. Otherwise, you're right, use your shadow. Just pray. Anywhere. Left, right, up, down. What's the principle? Remember this, it's, it's important. Do the best that you can. There will always be something. Wallah, I remember this is roughly the right direction. It's somewhere this way. Do the best you can. If you did the best you can, how do you know when you got it right enough or wrong? How do you know you got it right enough? Like what's right enough? Like if the, if the Qibla is 120 where we are, what's acceptable? A hundred and like eight. 125 لا. Everything between this and this So if you got anywhere Within a semicircle Within half a circle Your salah is fine and if you did your best, your salah is fine, even if you got it wrong. But if you found, for example, I'm going to show you what I mean. I don't know if you can see. Can you tell me, can you see it on the camera now? Yeah? Okay. This is the Qibla for us here. This is the Qibla, okay? This here is the Qibla. So if I was here and I did my best, would it be okay? Yes. If I was here and I did my best, would it be okay? Yeah. What about if I was here? No. Yeah? Anywhere between here and here. Anywhere between the east and the west. And your right-hand side and your left-hand side. If you did your best. But does that mean you shouldn't care? You should just come in and pray. I just come in and pray this way. Come in and pray this way. No. You have to do your best. But when you've done your best, anywhere between the east and the west, anywhere between this side and this side, is the Qibla for you. If, if you did your best and you had no other way of finding out, if the prayer time is still there, you can do it again. If the prayer time is gone, Does that make sense? Okay. All right, we'll stop there. You have a question? Oh, from, uh, from a kid. Okay. Is it sinful if a lady doesn't wear a niqab and she shows her face and hands in public. That's something that the scholars in Islam, they disagreed about. Some of them said it's sinful and some of them said that it isn't sinful. So this is something that I wouldn't personally be harsh on someone. I wouldn't come to them and say that you're doing a very bad thing and you're doing an evil thing. But my advice to them is that they should wear it. That would be my advice to them. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't come down harsh on someone because this is something where the scholars of Islam, they didn't agree. Some of them said you have to, some of them said it's recommended. So that's what I, that would be my advice. Does that make sense? If the scholars disagreed on it, we don't want to be like, 
really horrible to someone on something where they have a proof for it, they have a evidence for it, right? Okay. That's what Allah made easy for me to mention. Allah knows best. Wassalatu wassalamu ala Nabi Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Jazakumullah khairan for watching. Please subscribe, share, and you can visit muhammadtim.com.